It's great to have you with us this morning. It's great to have you as part of our family. I, I see a whole bunch of faces that I don't recognise, and um, if you uh, are new here, uh, visiting or passing through, you're most welcome to be part of our family gathering this morning. Uh, we pray that God blesses you. And uh, please, if you want to find more about the church, catch up with Ashley afterwards or uh, see one of the team um, that's been up here. There he is. Phil. Um, <laughs> awkward moment when he walks in. Um, we were prophesying before, and prophecy, for those of you that are not familiar with what, um, how God works in that way, is when uh, we believe God comes and brings a message of hope or encouragement for someone specific. There was a word for Mike in this morning, which was um, really awesome. There was a word for these women wearing salmon that they can um, process and pray through, and we'll support them in that. Um, Phil, for you also, I had this uh, word of encouragement last night, and uh, I know it's awesome because I know your story. And, um, and, I, and I'm very careful when I say, this is what God is saying, when I know so much about someone's journey. But I'm absolutely convicted and convinced that this is a word of encouragement for you, Phil, in the journey you're on. Um, I'm, I'm not very um, good at bicultural uh, kind of uh, concepts, so I'm going to do a really poor job of explaining this, and I apologize in advance. But often on Marae, uh, when you go in there or when you come to a, a meeting, you stand and you give... Um, a hongi, to meet someone, and then you speak, which is your message of who you are and where you're anchored. And I'm not even going to try and say the word because I'll get it wrong. Um, but part of that is you say what your mountain is. You were there in that meeting we had the other day where the guy talked about this, Phil, with the board meeting. God is saying to you that there's a new mountain. It's a place of anchoring. It's a place of connecting. And it's a new realm of authority. And I'm hoping he doesn't mean a new location or a new church, because <laughs> I don't really want that to be part of this, because I, 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 I know your story, and I know, I know where you're at, and I feel like God is saying, he has prepared the mountain place for you, which is your new realm of authority, and that's an answer to your prayers. Okay. I have in the beginning of my notes, um, just the heading, Holy Spirit, and um, that's to, to remind me that he's in charge, not me. And, um, and he can do whatever he wants. Which means lunch might be late. <laughs> we start the fast this week. It's fantastic. Uh, before I get started, it's fantastic to have Mike and Ellie with us again. Uh, they've been away for uh, way too long. Way too long. Um, for those of you that don't know this amazing couple, um, they're, they're amazing because they've been on a journey of faith. And their, their daughter, Naya, she was born with a heart condition. That's a very simple explanation. Um, but she's had heart surgery recently. And they've been in Auckland, uh, uh, Ronald McDonald House. And I'm staying there to, take, uh, to be connected closely with her at that starship. But they're home. Yay. And she's progressing. And she looks amazing. And you know what? This is going to be a testimony. Your faith, guys, your family's faith is going to be a testimony to others. I declare that. To be true, because God never wastes anything. And even when we feel like we're in the darkest place in the valley of despair, God says, but there is hope. But there is hope. We're so glad to have you home. Yeah, we are. As I'm sure everyone else is. Okay. Some of you might not realize that in a previous life I was a farmer. What I mean by that, because it's probably a generous uh, description, is I used to graze some sheep. And Kathy and I used to say we were just townies with gumboots on, so I'm not really a farmer. But in 2005, we bought this property. We lived uh, north of Hamilton, and we were excited to take our young kids with us to this new property in the country, and we were excited by, get this, we were excited by the smells and the sights of the country. And, and with this new property came some sheep, because the man that we bought the property off, he knew that we needed to keep on top of, of the grass, you know, as, not literally, but to make sure it didn't overwhelm us. Am I doing all right, farmers? Wes, is this okay? Anyway, um, 
And so we had these, these sheep that came with the property, and because of the generosity of Rambo the ram, we also got lambs. Uh, and um, that meant that come July, it was lambing season. And so this is an, an, an initiation or a baptism of fire for me, because suddenly I had to support these sheep who were not doing so well in lambing. Mike, you're going to be horrified uh, when I tell this story, because... You've got better stories than I do. Uh, but anyway, one night, this, um, this ewe was having trouble lambing, and, and I'm like, what do you do? So, uh, so I got taught what to do. So the, the, my new friend, the guy we bought the property of, he comes and helps me, and he shows me that this is what you used to do, and he ties the ewe to a tree so she can't run away, because she's rejected this lamb. She's got enough trouble of her own. And, and so he sends me off to chase this, this lamb springing around the paddock. So I'm springing around after this lamb in the paddock. Yeah, thank goodness my kids didn't have Facebook back then because it would have been <laughs> Facebook Live, what's dad? Anyway, so I catch the lamb and he says, this is what you do. We've got to train these two to be connected. And he proceeded to show me how to milk the ewe to get the colostrum for the ewe. The lamb. And I'm like, hey. So it's not surprising that I head south to become a pastor because I was not cut out for that. And thankfully, these days, feeding the sheep doesn't involve colostrum. We can just leave it there. I'm not a farmer, but I like taking care of sheep. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. But the point of this, of the story is this, is that there are many sheep that need taken care of. And I hope today you have your ears opened to hear the sheep that are crying. That's what I hope. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke a message. And uh, it was a message called um, Storms of Preparation. And I, I didn't receive a lot of praise for my artistic ability. Um, so this week I've kind of decided that I'm just going to let uh, the computer do it for me. Uh, it's way more talented than I am. And, and what I want to do is I want to, I want to draw you to this place where we understand how God speaks to us. And, and, and on the right hand, we have what is called, uh, this is a lesson in theology or um, how we work, Logos, which is the Bible. So on one hand, God speaks to us through his scriptures, the holy scriptures, which are called Logos, the word of God. And the other way that God speaks to us is called a Rima word. And this is a prophetic utterance. It's where God's spirit speaks through someone and we believe it to be true. So on the right hand side, the Logos word of God is the scriptures, which um, is formalized and finished, completed, no one's adding to it. It's called canonized, but that's, don't worry about that. And, and we as Christians believe it to be true. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of you. Okay. We believe the Word of God to be true. Yes. The Word is infallible, which means it can't be questioned or denied. We believe that it's eternal, which means it'll never change in the way it is now. And we also believe that God's Word is alive. It was written on the paper, and yet somehow it just continues to have relevance to us. Like, amazingly, if you've ever read it, anyone ever read it? And it just pops out, you're like, whoa, oh my goodness, it's alive. And so we've got this Logos Word of God, and this is how God speaks to us. And then on the other hand, we've got the Rima Word of God, which is when God's Spirit speaks to us, and we've got to be careful, one, that we're listening, and two, that it's God speaking. We've got to be careful about that because it's not in black and white. So we've got to be a little bit cautious about how we, how we do that. And so what I want to do today is I want to present a message to you that brings the Logos Word of God and the Rima Word of God because they go together. And in your life, you should have both. If you only rely on the Logos Word of God, then you're going to miss out on an aspect of God's message that He has for you personally. And if you only rely on the Rima word of God, the, the, the spoken utterance and you know, holy fire kind of moments like we just had before, then you're going to miss some eternal truth. 
All right, so you're going to have both. And so today I'm going to present both. And, uh, and, and so we're going to start with the Rema Word of God. And we're going to start with um, something that um, I received when I was in a conference recently. And the speaker was uh, bringing this message, and he asked this question. And this question on the screen here is, can a nation be saved? It's a really good question. And, and, and the church leaders that were in this gathering, this conference... This is a question that was on their lips. Can a nation be saved? Truth is, it should be on all our lips. It would be, hopefully, our desire to see New Zealand come to know Jesus. Anyone else want to say amen to that? Come on. You know? So this is a thing that's, that's, that should be a burden that we carry. And this guy is speaking, and he's sharing something. And this is one of those moments where you've got to pay attention. Well, I realized that in the conference. And, and then, interestingly, this is also on God's heart. Fancy that? Fancy that. Like, um, at School of the Spirit on Wednesday night, Tom came up, he had a scripture for me from Isaiah chapter 51, and I'll just read it to you from verses 4 and 5. It says, Listen to me, my people. Hear me, O Israel, which could include us. For my law will be proclaimed, and my justice will become a light to the nations. The Logos word of God. Will be a light to the nations. My mercy and justice are coming soon. My salvation is on the way. My strong arm will bring salvation to the nations. All distant lands will look to me and wait in hope for my powerful right arm. Salvation for the nation is on God's heart too. It's on his heart and it should be on our heart. And so when this speaker at this conference asked this question, I, I felt this this, like, something inside me stir that this was a moment, a Rima moment, a, a God is speaking to me moment. And, and, it, and, it, and it really hit me. And God had an answer to this question. That's awesome, eh? We've got a question and God answers it. That's always helpful. So, so this is the answer, just so you know the, the story. The answer that the guy said is, the answer to can a nation be saved, God says, go and pastor your nation. Go and be a pastor to your nation. That's God's answer. And as this guy is speaking, and as he begins to move amongst us, I felt something stir inside me. I can't explain it except to say God put his finger in there and was just giving it a good old mix-up. And I began to weep uncontrollably. Like This is not just a little tear running, but this is like ugly crying. Ugly crying. As God is doing something in me, as I'm saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, okay, it's your message, I'll receive it. Not my will, God, but yours. I felt God stir my heart and change me. And the reason I say that to you is because this is a really good way for you to get evidence that this is God speaking, is something in you changes. It's evidence that God is working in us by his Holy Spirit. And so this message here became something that I've been chewing on for six weeks, just meditating on and studying and thinking about and, and preparing my heart to bring you something. Because I don't want to bring you something until I've worked through it. And this is what today is about. Now, what's exciting about this phrase, go and pastor your nation, is it's absolutely in alignment with what we would say was our church mission. If you've been around here more than uh, 25 days, then you're going to recognize this picture. This has been around for, for a couple of years now, and we call this our church mission. So an organization has a vision, it has a mission, we have values, and we have strategies and things that we're working towards. Well, this has been published uh, for many years as our church mission, that we are called as a group of people to activate community transformation. Community meaning those outside the four walls of the building. We're going to do that through church, social, and enterprise we want, to be, we want to believe that the, the message of Jesus Christ is going to change people's lives. We're going to believe that the message of Jesus and the demonstration of love is going to lift them into a place of hope above their circumstances where they can look to Jesus as the answer. We're going to build a church full of people who are passionately committed to what God's called them to do, to be successful, influential, and profitable in the community in order that we can have momentum to bring about God's message. This is what we believe. We believe this to be true. And so this resonates in me, this, can a, can, a, can a nation be saved? And God says, go and pastor your nation. This resonates inside me. 
Last week, the elders came and they shared, including me, and we talked about us being an apostolic center. It was one of the phrases God gave us. And by that we mean we want to be an organization of people who train, who send, who invade, who occupy, and who transform. This word comes out of the Bible, apostolos, and it's, it, and it's adapted from Greek and Roman culture. The Romans were uh, in rule at the time of Jesus and the disciples, the early church, but before that there'd been others, and they had this mindset that they would share their culture with the world. And if you've seen movies, you would have heard and seen this. They would train up their people and their army and they would prepare them and they would send them off to a, to a foreign land and they would land on the shore with their boats and then they would burn the boats, no going back. And then they would go into that place and they would overcome the people of that land and then begin to colonize it the way that they lived with their culture. It's called apostolos. Then that, the, the, this new place of occupation would become like a Roman city and it would live and look and sound like the Romans who had conquered them. Jesus is not hiding our mission from us. He's saying we are to go into those places and we are to bring his kingdom and his culture with us and we're to go and we're to transform that culture with his way of living. That's who we are. And so as an organization here, God said we're apostolic by nature, which means we've got to train people up and we've got to send them outside the building to find those that God has prepared to learn about his way of living, the kingdom of God. This is who we are. This is the heart of our church. So all of this is context to bring you back to my artwork. What is God saying to us in pastoring a nation? We've got the Logos word, which is the scripture, and we've got the Rema word. But we've got to see the two come together. So going past your nation is the Rema word. It's the utterance. It's the what God said by his spirit. And the apostolos, the apostolic nature of who we are comes together with the word and the spirit, and this brings us life. Does that make sense? So today we're going to put these together and we're going to work out how to walk it out. Because every vision, every mandate, every mission has got to have mobility. It's got to have momentum. It's got to have some way to make progress. And that's what these two feet are. See how I did that? Look at that. The first foot is a word in the Bible called ecclesia. And we're going to understand. Say that. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. It's a Greek word. We're going to unpack that. The word of God for us today as a church. The second word, the other foot, is poimeno. Say poimeno. Poimeno. So we're going to look at these two words and understand what they mean for us. We're going to go on a journey, and the whole point of this is that we would be united in response to God's mandate to go and pastor a nation. That's our role as the church. It's who we are. It's who the church was designed to be, and I want you to see that today. So, turn your Bibles, and we're going to look in the New Testament at uh, where this word gets used, ecclesia, and we're firstly going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is a letter that's written to the church. No one knows, or no one's agreeing, who actually wrote it, but it's written to those people who have an understanding of the background of who Jesus was as a man and his culture and his heritage. And it's a really interesting letter, and it, it's got so much goodness packed in it. But here we find ourselves in chapter 12, and the person who's writing it is saying, look, we've got to listen to God. We've got to respond to God. We've got to come before God, but don't be fearful. You're not coming to a God that is going to smash you with fire and bring fear and trembling in the ways that happened on Mount Sinai. And the people reading this would have known the history, that it would have known the story of Moses coming before the mountain and the fire of God falling on the mountain, and the people were trembling with fear and turned away. The writer is saying, no, 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 you haven't come to that place. And it says in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 12, no, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousand angels in joyful gathering." You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. 
You come to the spirits of righteous people in heaven who have been made perfect, those that have gone before us. In this passage we see here, we have come to a place where the assembly of God's children is, the ecclesia of God's people, the gathering of God's people are together in this place. What does this mean? Well, what I'm trying to show you at the beginning is this gathering, the people, the, the, the ones that we are, we've come to this place and we're actually seated in a different realm. This is, again, it's Holy Spirit stuff. It's a bit weird. You might not get your head around it, but it's what the Bible says is true. We're actually positioned in a place, Ephesians 2 verse 6, we're positioned in heaven with Jesus because of him. We, we, we've, got a, we've got a new place of authority that we reside. Not physically, because I can all see you here. But as children of God, we've been brought into this different realm, this place where God lives, and that's where we're supposed to live from. We're not supposed to say, well, I live in Kiki, and you know, I'm only sort of you know, working part-time, and I haven't really got much that I could offer. We're not supposed to look at the natural we're supposed to look at the scriptures and understand that God says, you're seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And everything that Jesus Christ has done is available to you. This is the place where we sit as God's children. The ecclesia, the people of God, the ones who are set apart and chosen. We are different. And because we're different, we should be making a difference. You're not the same as everyone else. You're different. You're set apart by God for a specific purpose. Just consider that. If that's all you get and you check out from here on, that's okay. You're seated in heaven where God is and all his amazing power and love is. And all you need to do is say, thank you. Because Jesus makes it available. The ecclesia, the gathering, the assembly of God's people who are from heaven. There's another place where we can read it. And I just want to give you this perspective. In Matthew chapter 16, you would turn there now. Swipe the screen or do whatever you need to do to get there. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples because there's a bit of chitter-chatter going on. There's all sorts of things happening and people are gossiping and talking about him. And he's like, well, who do you guys? What do you reckon? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, the disciple of Jesus, answers. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replies, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say this, you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not overcome it. Jesus uses the word ecclesia in this passage. He says, you didn't learn this from going to school. I will build my ecclesia, my church, on the revelation that God has given. That I am the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of God, who will bring men and women back into the embrace of God's love. That was who the Messiah was called to be. Peter goes, I think I know what's happening here. And just because the Holy Spirit empowers him, there's this utterance which becomes scripture He says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia upon this revelation. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, what you've got to understand, when he says ecclesia, he's talking about a gathering and assembling of people. In Jesus' day, there was a gathering of people who met at the gates of the city, and they were the ruling government of that town. They would gather together and they would make decisions on behalf of the people who lived there. This is the ecclesia, the people who were set apart. They came out of their homes, they came out of their business, and they sat at the gates and they'd been given authority to shape culture by making decisions for the sake of the people. You're getting this? God is saying through Jesus that the church, us, We're a governing assembly who get to make decisions because we've got authority and those decisions should be shaping culture for their sake to make life better. This is who we are. This is what the church was always designed to be. Ministry is not about standing on a pulpit and preaching. 
Ministry is about going out and showing people God's love and bringing them to a place of life that he's designed for them. That's ministry. That's what the church is called to do. This is just like an orange break, a warm-up before you get out into the real world. It's what church is. It's who we are, set apart for these purposes. We have the authority to make decisions that shape culture. And it gets even better than that. But we have to think about what that looks like. It could look like someone getting involved in local government as a Christian. Um, I used to share an office in Hamilton with Tim McIndoe, who's the current national MP for Hamilton West. And he would come to the prayer meetings that we would host when he was in town. And he would pray with passion for God's wisdom that he would be able to govern and contribute to government in a way that was inspired by God's Holy Spirit. Ecclesia. It's no different than someone being involved in the community and shaping things. It's no different than a teacher. You know, that's why I love being a part of Waipa Christian School, because the teacher's there shaping minds and hearts to prepare future leaders that are filled with God's love and God's presence. That's the power that every teacher has. It's what we have as parents. It's what we have as business people. You know, I used to um, spend time in the, in the U.S. with a whole lot of business consultants that were filled with the Spirit that would go into corporate businesses and pray in order that God would show the owner the answer he needed for his problems. That's shaping culture. That's being the ecclesia of God. This is what it looks like. You don't look convinced. Well, let's see what Jesus says then, because the very next verse, he's actually empowering us with something very special. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Well, that's not quite the actual words that are used. The meaning is different. And so let's read this from the Amplified Bible. Jan's happy about that. Jesus says this, I will give you the keys or authority of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind up, which means to forbid or declare to be improper or declare to be unlawful. Whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, which means to permit or declare lawful, whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. So we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've been given authority to govern and to shape culture. And Jesus says, whatever you release has already been released in heaven. May it be so on earth. When we pray, we're not asking God to do something. We're agreeing with what he's already done. Come on, we've got to get that revelation as the sons and daughters of God. Healing, done. Salvation, paid for. Financial provision, available. Bondage, broken. We're not asking God to do it. We're releasing what he's already done into our realm that we would shape society and culture to lead people before God, which is his desire. That's who we are. We've got the authority. We've got the permission. We've just got to get on and do it. We're the ecclesia, the people of God. So here we go. We have the authority to release on earth those things that are established in heaven. The heaven is the realm of God's presence. Where we are, all we've got to do is to change it. Lindsay was telling me before the service, got invited by his boss this week, to go up on the hill above their quarry and pray God's blessing over the quarry. Come on! That's what it's called. That's what it's like. The day of blessing we have the first Wednesday of March every year. We're now regularly invited into the Fonterra factory to bless the the, um, tankers as they go out at 6 a.m. And then the manager says to us the next year, he says, well, actually, since you prayed, we've had no accidents. That's God changing culture because the church is willing to pray and believe what God says is true. This is the ecclesia. It's who we're called to be. The purpose of the church is to be the message of God. And what that means is 
Your ideas matter. Your passion is God's clue to your purpose. The burdens that you carry is what God has given you because you've got an assignment. Some of you are passionate about things that I really just not that excited by. And that's not a criticism. That's not a judgment. That's not one as high as the other. God shapes us individually and differently. So what you're passionate about is your purpose. God gave it to you. You've just got to do something with it. But here's the thing. Your participation is essential. God chooses not to work without you. He's just waiting for us. So we've got to see that there's a part to play as the ecclesia, the church. But there's also a part to play with poimeno. Say poimeno. Poimeno. Jesus uses this powerful word in a discourse, a conversation he has with Peter and his disciples, a few of them. And it's at the end of the book of John. So what's happened is Jesus is, he's been playing hide and seek. So one minute he's there with his disciples and the next minute he's gone and they're wondering, you know, he's resurrected, he's alive, but we're not sure and we can't touch him sometimes. And, and then we see him eat and it's really weird. And, and this week Jesus hasn't turned up. And Peter goes, oh, stuff this, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. And they're out on the boat and this random guy on the shore goes, Oi, boys, try the other side with your net. And they get this miraculous catch of fish. Same as the first time Peter met Jesus. And John, who writes this, says, Hey, Peter, it's Jesus. It's the Christ. Peter just tucks his cloak in and jumps over and splashes all the way to the shore. Why? Because he wants to be connected with Jesus. And listen to the conversation. John 21, verse 15. They have breakfast. Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. And take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. This is a powerful conversation. Because Peter, he's been wrestling with his identity. I know that because he's gone back to the boat to fishing. He's working hard for fish instead of fishing with Jesus and catching miracles. He's given up. He's been wrestling with things. He's been confused. He's, he's judging himself. And then all of a sudden he gets a chance and he leaps into the water. Jesus commissions Peter to feed his sheep. He says it three times. Jesus is instructing Peter to be one who takes care of the sheep. What does this mean? Poimeno. The word means to act as a shepherd. It's the word that Jesus uses there in the middle. He says, feed my sheep. He says, poimeno, take care of them. Nurture them, lead them, protect them, guide them. Keep them safe. We can, we can spend a long time unpacking this word, but you can do that. You can think about what it means for you to take care of people or to feed them or to nurture them or to guide them. Jesus is saying to us, We've got to be a shepherd. We've got to be the shepherd who takes care of. We've got to be the shepherd who nurtures. We've got to teach them the word of God that feeds them and builds them and make them strong. That's what we should do. We've got to be leading people into freedom. It's a role that we carry as a church, and I will want to expand on it in a minute, but there's something that I've got to, I've got to do first. Because as I've been meditating on this, as I've been asking God, what's on your heart for this moment? He's, um, he's given me an assignment. Look at the conversation again that Jesus has with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times. Three times Jesus asks him the same question. Like, is Jesus deaf? Is he just not hearing? Maybe Jesus is confused. Maybe Jesus is trying to manipulate Peter to say something. We've got to remember, 
God never asks questions because he lacks information. Just consider that. God, who already knows everything, doesn't ask questions because he lacks information. When God's asking you a question, he's hoping you see something that you're missing. And it's the same here with Peter. What's the point of this conversation? Jesus is asking Peter to see something that he's missed. Remember, remember the night Christ was betrayed, before his crucifixion, before the Friday. They were having supper, and, and Jesus says to Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And that very night, three times, Peter turned his back on Jesus. I do not know him. No, I am not his disciple. No, I do not know him. Three times. And now Peter, he's back working in the boat, working his guts out to catch fish, to feed his family, instead of doing what Jesus has prepared him to do. What is Jesus saying to Peter? He says, Peter, I see you walking away from your life of purpose, and I want to intervene. Peter, I see you struggling to work for a living, and I want to provide for you. Peter, I see the kingdom destiny in you, and I'm calling it out. I'm not willing to let it fall to the ground. Peter, I have amazing miracles. If you would only come and partner with me, you will see lives changed. Peter, will you return to the place of love that I've prepared for you? It's a powerful conversation when you think about it like that. Well, what's Jesus saying to us this morning? Jesus is saying, some of you are walking away from your life of purpose and Jesus wants to intervene. Some of you, Jesus sees struggling to work for a living and he wants to connect you with the provider who brings all provision, all sufficiency. Church, Jesus sees kingdom destiny in every one of you and he wants to call it out of you, to affirm it, so that you would be released into the life, the best life that God's designed for you. Family, Jesus has prepared miracles for us to partner with him to see lives changed. Someone got healed last Sunday morning. Why? Because I'm a doctor? No, because God's love turned up and they believed it was theirs for the taking. Shoulder healed, knee healed, set free from fear. Why? Because God's goodness leads people to the foot of the cross. Jesus is saying to us, friends, will you return to the place of love that I've prepared for you? Can you just stand for a sec? Because this is the key. Here's the key on the screen. Jesus will restore anyone who is willing to confess their love for him. When we step back into the place of love that God's prepared, then we suddenly get connected with the best life possible that he's prepared for us. Does that mean it's easy? No. Does it mean it's his best? Mm, Yes. Is it comfortable? Not always. Is it easy? Uh, Not often. But it's the best life God's prepared for you. We've got to become passionate followers of Jesus, connected with his love in order that we would walk out the kingdom assignment he's prepared for us, the best life we could live. And it only happens when you come to that place and you say, you know what, I want to come back to that love, that place of love where Jesus is my answer. So if you're willing, I'm just going to lead you in a short prayer before we carry on. If you're willing, you pray after me, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Jesus, I'm ready to receive your love this morning. Jesus, I'm ready to give my life to you. Jesus, show me the life you've prepared for me. Amen. You may be seated. That's what partnership with Jesus looks like. It just starts there. Simply saying, your idea is better than mine. And you know what? If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, then Jamie would love to chat to you after church. Jamie would love to explain to you what that means and to walk with you to help you because this is how you walk into the best life God's got for you. What is Jesus saying to us this morning, church? Jesus is saying, we must go and shepherd our community. Not me, we. Not the church staff, we. 
Every single one of us is called into a place of assignment where God has prepared something special inside of us to be a blessing to someone else. For some, there's a ministry of food. For others, there's a ministry of love. For others, it's care and nurture. For others, it's leadership, it's teaching. For others, it's financial. And I've got a friend that would never, ever stand up in front of you to talk. But man, that guy behind the scenes is generous. Why? Because that's the gift God gave him. And he doesn't want any recognition. He doesn't want to be stood up and, and everyone clap. But that's his ministry. So whatever it is, God has prepared something for you. We've got to be shepherds who love, care for, protect, nurture, and guide people. We've got to point them to Jesus and help them live with him. That's the purpose. And that is how this town will come to know Jesus. Yes. Through what we do. If I could get the band to come and jump on stage. I also want to get um, Kathy to come up here. Shani and Jamie. Uh, Davina and Krista. If you could just come up and just stand over here. Um, I've got a couple of things I want to finish with this morning. And um, I may have forgot to tell you I was doing this, but surprise. Um, as a start, but not a finish. These ones are currently active. Actually, Yaka, you can come and stand here too, and I'll, I'll explain why. Yes, you. That's right. Awkward point. Yes, you in the, in the lilac shirt. These ones here are, are examples of people in the community shepherding. Kathy's um, come back from um, a, a season of searching, and, and God's stirring her heart to lead the church and local missions. Her and a few others are planning what we're calling Operation Christmas Love that over that summer season, we will show this town how much God loves them through many different ways. And there's an opportunity for you to join that. You'll know, um, if you've been here long enough, Shani has been working with Jamie's support. They've been in the community doing loving arms, blessing mums and their new babies with practical help and support and encouragement. It's called shepherding the community. Krista sat here and got stirred by God one Sunday came to me crying and said, I know what God's asking me to do. And she started something we call Stitch for Love, and they've got a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of things, but blessing those that need woolen garments. 300 and something given to a low decile school in Hamilton this winter to keep kids warm. Davina's given two days of her week to our Pathways Youth Mentoring Program. We've got a youth centre down on Rickett Road. We're formalising things. We're already providing youth mentoring for at-risk and vulnerable teenagers who are in trouble with the law. It's already happening. We've got an open day, 26th of September. Watch out for that on Facebook. Why am I telling you that? Because I want you to come behind and support and encourage or be part of it. Yako's the principal of local Christian school in the community, networking with others, bringing about Christ-centred education into our community. And the reason that I've brought these up here as a beginning and not the end, we're not finished yet, is that God said this to me. We need a supernatural grace of the pastor anointing to come upon the people of God who have been adopted into the ministry of reconciliation. You know, in the Bible, when God set people apart, He sent a man of God before them and He asked that person to anoint them with oil oil being the symbol of God's presence and His power that would be a sign that God was with them in the work God had given them to do. So the first step in the close of this morning is for us to, and I might get um, Hank to come and stand with me as an elder, and uh, we're just going to anoint these ones. I want you to stand in honour, in response. And we're going to bless these ones as shepherds in the community. And don't think you're missing out because we're not finished yet. You want to do that? We're just going to bless them and anoint them and set them apart. And I just, just pray, just pray quietly as we bless these ones with the Spirit of God.
to God. Grace, 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 love, love. You know what was on God's heart this morning? Was that we would commission and anoint anyone who felt called to come to a place of vulnerability and say, you know what, God, I don't know what the question is, but the answer is yes. But some of you may already know what your passion is. Some of you may already know what your calling or your assignment is. That's great. Bring it with you. It's not a promise that we're going to make everything happen. It's just an acknowledgement that God's been planting seeds in you. For others, you might not know what that is, but you might be willing to respond to say, God, I care enough to come back to the place of love where you loved me and I want others to receive the same love. If that's you this morning, then I want you to step out. I want you to come up the front. I want you to be willing for these guys here to bless you to anoint you, to set you apart, that you would go commissioned as a shepherd in the community to be God's message of love to others, to be a light that points people to the love of Christ, where you find a way to connect them with the God who loves them and has a good life planned for them. So as the band sing, as the band minister, I'm inviting you, don't wait. Just come, allow the team to pray a blessing over you, to continue to anoint you and to bless you as you go, set apart for God's work. Thanks, band. You guys can help. You guys can just help. All you've got to do is just bless.
close this morning I just want to bless you before you go Almighty God I release the blessing of heaven over the people of God this morning that they would know the power of God's love, how significant it is that it would call them back from a place of isolation, separation or brokenness into a place of hope a place of identity and a place of purpose we call back the sons and daughters of God, in order that they would be shepherds in the community, releasing them this morning in love to go to the dark corners of our town, to go to the broken homes, to go to the business, to the community and government groups, to be God's light and God's message. Lord, I commission this church with the grace of a shepherd to love people into the kingdom. I bless them in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 So please don't forget, if you're a visitor or you want to find out more, find Ashley. She's in the foyer. She'd love to chat with you. If you'd like prayer for anything specific, you came with needs, then please come find one of my team at the front. It'd be their privilege to pray for you. Have a great day. Have a great day. Amen.